Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Colts Cast. My name is Eric Smith, co-host of the Colts Cast. Alongside me, as always, I have co-host Jamal Lawrence here. Yo, yo, yo. We're here to talk about everything and anything Indianapolis Colts. Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you can be notified on every new episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter, at the ColtsCast, and on Instagram, at ColtsCast. Not only will you see new episodes posted on there, but you will see updates from us, polls we run, opinions we tweet, etc. Again, that's at the ColtsCast on Twitter and at ColtsCast on Instagram. Jamal, are you ready to get into some Indianapolis Colts content? Man, I'm excited for today. I'm always ready. Let's get into Let's, it. Okay. You excited? What, what are you excited about today? What? Hey, we going in the trenches today with the big dogs. Going into the trenches. On today's episode, we will take a deep dive into our offensive line and what we can expect going into the new season. So I just want to start off by saying last year, very, very above average offensive line. Um, I know releasing Eric Fisher and losing Chris Reed and Mark Lewinsky stings. Uh, they were some experienced players on our line, really hoping whoever replaces them are quality starters. I think what we really need to work on is pass blocking. It, if, if anything, we rank pretty poorly in that area compared to run blocking, according to PFF, Pro Football Focus. Uh, it just seems like protecting the pocket and maneuvering backwards is much harder and requires more technique than pushing players back and creating holes for the runner. Um, Jamal, I know you have more insight on this than me. You used to coach O-line. Uh, am I correct in my assessment? Yeah, I, I mean, you definitely are. When we when we look at our squad when it comes to the run game, of course, with JT in the backfield, whenever we knew we were running the ball, which was quite a bit, you're, you're, you're going to come off the ball a lot harder because you know either if you're the guards, you're working up to that second level, or if you're the tackles, you're trying to make sure you combo block or or ma- maintain the, the defensive end. So you have more of a presence to step off the ball, step off the line, and move to the next level at a lower level versus mm. the pass block, and especially in the NFL. You know, when you're younger and you're high school and even when you're kind of starting off in college, most pass plays you're still getting down in a three-point stance versus NFL, man – Pass, pass. They're always in a, in a two point stance. It's very rare they're getting down in a three point. So, not to say that it gives it a wave to the defense, but they kind of know exactly what, to what I was going to ask. Yeah. Does it does it give it away to the defense? It, it does. And there are some times where you'll do a run play where some of the guys are still on two point stance, especially the tackle. If they're on a fast defensive end or something, they may be in a two point, but not that often. So, yeah, the defense kind of knows what's going on with that, so they anticipate it a lot more. And and smart linebackers, they're going to read that, and good defensive linemen, they're going to be able to read it as well. So, okay. Gotcha. Well, let's let's take that deep dive in. Let's let's start off with the right side of our offensive line. We got good old Braden Smith, our right tackle, went to Auburn for college. He was drafted in 2018, uh, second round pick 37. And boy, anytime you draft outside the first round and get a quality starter, that's that's a hit to me. I I mean. <laughs> Especially yeah. with a tackle. Come on. But he played right guard in college. So he transitioned to right tackle in the NFL. And he's done a really good job at tackle. I would say, I want to say I saw he was one of our, if not the best offensive lineman graded uh, last season. Mm-hmm. 
So hats off to him. He got a juicy contract extension where it's 70 million for four years last offseason. So he's yeah, he's definitely earning that bag. Um per over the cap, he's the eleventh highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. So the front office definitely values him. When you watch him, uh, when I watch him, he's he's very good in the run game. He, I, I think Taylor likes to go to that side because he knows he has Braden Smith over there ready to just devour any lineman on the other side. So I really I really like Braden Smith. Um, what's your thoughts on him? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like you said, Braden Smith, he just earned that that fat contract extension and JT loves, loves running on the right side and Braden Smith. I mean, if you look at the stats, it, they, they speak for themselves, you know, uh, coming from PFF, he had a run blocking grade North of 78. Um, and when we were running the ball on the right hand side through the B gap and C gap. So for some of you who don't know, the A gap is going to be between the guard and the center B gap is going to be between the guard and tackle and C gap is going to be outside the, uh, tackle. Uh, so where, when we're running through the B gap and C gap, we're averaging 4.8 yards a run. I mean, that that's nuts. You think about it. That's, that's a first down, almost a first down every two plays. The chains are yeah. constantly moving. So not to mention Jonathan Taylor averaged five and a half yards of carry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it just goes hands in hand. That's the perfect place to, to put it. So he, he definitely showed out on the right side. Gotcha. Well, what do you think about still going on the right side of the offensive line? Danny Pinter, our right guard. Danny Pinter, the right guard. The 2020 draft round five, pick number 149 from Hometown boy, Ball State, right up the road in Muncie. Um, I think I think he's not too bad. You know, he he was mainly a center backup. Uh, he got those three starts while Ryan Kelly was out last year for personal reasons. You know, with the um, uh, towards the end of the season, right when he was out, so he had a little bit of time to to learn. I mean, he over the course of the season he played two hundred and twenty six snaps, only allowed two sacks and had uh, zero penalties. So. You know, again, I know 226 snaps in the grand scheme may not sound like a lot, but two sacks is not too bad. And I mean, at least we know he's not holding. Um, Mm -hmm. So, of course, right now, his biggest role will be taken over for Mark Lewinsky, uh, who left us for the Giants at the end of last season. So he definitely has some big shoes to fill. I think that he has the ability to do it. Uh, I, I, I definitely think as a fifth round pick, though, you, you have to be you have to be a little nervous if you're him, especially when you're coming from behind a, a pretty solid line. I mean, like we said, 4.8 mm. yards running when we're going through that B gap. I mean, you got to remember now that means you got to come out there and perform because nothing's going to change for Braden Smith. He's going to be just good. So now we got to make up for that. So I, I like Danny there. I think he'll he should learn a lot or he should have learned a lot from Glowinski and he should be learning a lot during OTAs and this offseason as long as he's studying that that book the playbook, I think that he has a chance unless somebody else decides to step in and take his spot. But, uh, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see how that happens. We'll who, see. Who may that be? Oh, you know, just our just our draft pick from this year, the man himself, Mr. Raymond. And so if he can Bernard come out. Bernard Raymond. Yeah. If he can come out, I mean, it could get interesting. Chris Ballard said it himself. He said that we're looking for the top five on the field. So that opens the door for Raymond. I mean, he may be able to come out if 
and take that spot. I mean, what what do you think, Eric? You think you think who do you think is going to start Ooh. at guard? Man, why you got to put me on the spot? I'm <laughs> so truthfully, I'm undecided. I I want the best player in this position, just like you said. Chris Ballard is going to take the top five. Period. So I I agree. I I want to see who's performing well in the OTAs. Who's who's going to show out in training camp? Let's see what happens in the preseason. Who who's stepping up to the plate? So Ray, Raymond was definitely, you know, my pick uh, for our first pick mm-hmm. of the entire NFL draft. So I do like him, um, but he's definitely going to be competing with Pinter and Pryor, no doubt. Yeah. Um, being a former tight end and having those versatile skills is interesting to me, too. So I, I think Raymond, he has the higher upside. Uh, in my opinion, he's more athletic, has the bigger frame bigger hands, you know, gun to my head, hands tied. I, I would take Raymond right now for the I starting like spot with, with, you know, the little I've seen, but I, I, I love upside. I love it. I, I agree. I agree. The only thing I think that Penner will have over him obviously is the playbook. Um, you know, I don't, I don't hold, I don't hold that against Raymond. I know he can take the time to learn that. And I, I feel like he's going to be a very smart guy when he comes to it. Uh, but you know, Pinter's been there. He's been there for two years, so he, he kind of knows the play, but he knows the ins and out. But like you said, man, we got an athletic freak coming in the building, so I, I'm right. interested to see what happens. He's probably – Pinter's probably the de facto plug-in play right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. But season hasn't started. We don't know what's going to happen from now until our our week one game. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, well, I'm excited, though. Oh, for sure. I'm definitely excited, too. And, I mean, speaking of, of you know, Pinter – playing backup center behind Kelly when he was out. What are your thoughts on the center position? What do you think about Ryan, Ryan Kelly? Kelly? Yeah. Um, went to Alabama. So high, you know, probably <laughs> Alabama yeah. has to be the best college you can, uh, top five college you can go to as far as being developed and going to the NFL. They send NFL players like it's free clockwork. Uh, yep. Drafted in 2018, first round pick 18. Uh, fifth highest paid center according to over the cap and he's performed very well um pretty good center i would say would like to see more depth at this position though so the only center i see behind ryan kelly is wesley french he's the only center listed as a backup okay. mm-hmm. he hasn't played a snap so I'm hoping some other players on the depth chart can fill in and play center if needed. Mm-hmm. But not really much to say. I mean, Ryan Kelly's done a pretty good job at center. I don't have really any negatives about him, but I, I don't have he he hasn't achieved you know elite status as a center. Um, but I I would definitely like to see more depth at this position. We'll be back after a quick break. If, if you look really well at the revenues of the different clubs and so on, like AC Milan uh, has had uh, a kind of dark time of uh, around yeah. a decade, right? You know, we, we kind of, uh, 15 years ago, we were leveled with Man United in terms of revenues, uh-huh. uh, Madrid and Barca, right? Sure. Like they've all taken off. They've all really developed commercially. AC Milan kind of stayed pretty much flat in terms of revenues until like three years ago, the new kind of leadership team, came on board and started looking at things in a, in a, in a different way. So 
we also acknowledge, you know, we, we, we have a lot to do, uh, a lot. I agree with that. I would like to see more depth. Um, but guys, if you hadn't, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but we actually posted a picture earlier of two, two guys, one being Mr. Kelly himself, another one being the legend, Jeff Saturday. So I like to think that if Jeff Saturday is out here at OTAs giving game to Ryan Kelly, man, I can only make yeah. us better. It can only make us better. Yeah. Of course, I don't want to see him go down. Did- well, go ahead. The Colts Twitter did uh, post that. Uh, yeah. It was it was Jeff Saturday, an All Pro, and Ryan Kelly's also an All Pro. So that's second right. Team, I believe. So yeah, I I'm happy to see that that he's out there. And man, two good centers, two good centers. Yeah, given game. So fingers crossed. You know, he's talking to the whole line, but especially to these centers. You know, even talking to Wesley as as the backup, letting him know, hey man, big shoes to fill in the event something happens. So oh yeah. Know. Or if Ryan Kelly just needs a break, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Step in. But let's get over to that left side. Let's let's talk Quentin Nelson. Big Q. Left guard. Win a Notre Dame. Drafted in 2018. Sixth pick overall. So invested a lot into him with that sixth pick. And boy, has it paid off. The best offensive lineman we have, in my opinion. One of the best guards to be exact, if not the best. I, I, I don't think I've seen anyone argue that he's not the best guard. But we'll we'll leave it we'll, top three, arguably. Uh, and no, he's not switching to tackle. I think Chris <laughs> Ballard shut that shit down. Um, he's staying right there at guard. So which he should. I. Why would we move someone to another position just because? We feel tackles more important. No, he's been elite at the guard position. Let's leave him there. And Chris Ballard, he shut that down. The stud rarely allows pressures. We're talking one sack allowed last year. One sack. Come on. He's just been dominant for too long. He's 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 easily the best at his position. A pancake machine. Go watch his highlights. He's just dominating these defensive tackles. So he did miss four games last year due to some injuries. That is a slight concern. And that's about a quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's due for a big contract. He's in his last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets into those high teens. So I think I was looking at over the cap. Joel Betonio, he makes about $60 million a year. Joe Thunny, same uh, Brendan Scherf on the Jaguars, sixteen and a half million a year. So he's definitely going to command more than that. I don't know how much more. I think we've heard Ballard say twenty mil. Yeah, he he said yeah he said I was looking at something on Colts Wire and he uh he said he probably be looking at a four year worth of twenty mil each season. So the good news is Ballard already knows he's going to be spending some bread on him. So it won't be a surprise or a shock if he comes asking for a high number. Which is good. I, I do want to keep Quinn Nelson. Um, someone's going to pay him no matter what. It's not if, it's when. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like we're pretty firm and it, we don't have any intentions of getting rid of him. But that is an unprecedented number for a guard. I know money just mm-hmm. keeps get, 
keeps getting inflated with every contract. Every new contract every year is the highest paid ever <laughs> because money's just becoming that fucking useless. But Jamal, here's an interesting question. Do we think Nelson is worth that much to the Colts? $20 million a year for a guard. I got to say yes. Okay. Looking, looking at, I mean, just his numbers in general, three-time uh, three first-team All-Pro. 2018 through 2020, uh, second team All Pro 2020, four time Pro Bowler 2018 to 2021, and most importantly, well, let me before you even say most importantly, like you said, only one sack allowed, over 767 snaps, five penalties. Most importantly, though, 61 games played, 61 games started. Of course, it doesn't count his his games he was injured in, but what so many people forget. And so many people forget about this, Eric. You know, when we look at these skill positions, we look at the cornerbacks, the safeties, the running backs, the wide receiver. The one thing that all these positions have in common is they get breaks. They have other people who come in the game for them. <laughs> two yeah. positions on the field, or excuse me, two groups on the field do not come out no matter what the case is. That's a quarterback and the O-line. They're out there every single play. So you know they're playing injured. They're playing tired. They're playing hurt. They're doing everything. So you got a dog like this who who 61 out of 61, less his, you know, less his injuries, one sack allowed out of that. That's wild. And only managed to get five penalties. I, I mean, I think I think you gotta pay him, especially with those stats like that. You gotta pay the man. Because okay. You, you, just, you just forget when you're not on when you're when you're getting I mean think about the defensive line they're getting what every three four plays they're getting rotated out a drive can last 15 plays and that means that defense lineman may only play six seven plays on that entire drive meanwhile the O-line this guard Quentin Nelson out there 15 straight plays no break still going 100 miles an hour I mean you, you got to treat him you got to treat him yeah, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here and see if I can make a case for not wanting to re sign Quinn Nelson to an extension. It's hard. I, I think it might be almost impossible because he's been just that stalwart at the guard position. Mm -hmm. how, how do we replace uh, something of that top quality? I, I don't know. And as long as we have the salary cap for it, you know, go ahead. I think. Right. Uh, we made some offseason moves, some good draft picks. I think that's going to push us over that. What was our win loss? Nine and eight last year? Yeah. Yeah. I think, especially replacing Carson Wentz, these are things that are going to propel us to the teens for wins. Um, and I, I, I don't want to change anything on the line really right now, especially at that left guard position because Quentin Nelson has just held it down that that much. So I think we, we sign him long term cement that position keep it rolling i agree all right and the last starting spot de facto starter matt Pryor, left tackle out of tcu what yeah what what can you tell me about him yeah mr matt Pryor himself drafted in the 2018 draft round six pick 206 by none other than the philadelphia eagles Somehow we managed to always have a tie to the Eagles. We can't get away from them, <laughs> but not a bad thing. You know, he, he played, uh, he played for us this year, what, 438 snaps, zero sacks allowed, but six penalties. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot, especially with O-line. You got to be really disciplined, but how again, many snaps did he play? 438. Yeah. 
That is, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like I mentioned, they're on, they're on the field a lot. So it's one of those things where you get tired, you get winded. You know, life happens. So I'm not going to hold that against him too much. But let's just kind of take a walk down memory lane for him. All right, this guy's huge. He's 6'7", 332 pounds, and only 27. That, man, that's that's prime time grade A beef for a tackle spot. 6'7", 332. When we look at our tackles, we want them to be big. We want somebody 305 pounds or more. Because you're holding down the fort. You're the anchor on that backside. So you really got to have somebody who's big, fast, agile, and more. most importantly, they got to be linky. He has, they have to have long arms because you remember what we talked about with that Gus Bradley defense, uh, the one position you said, um, what was the name of it? The LOS position, I believe it was. It was the LEO position. LEO, LEO, yeah, LEO position. That's correct. Where there's like that wide, wide nine. Whenever you're out there that that wide, you got to be have somebody quick at the tackle spot. So having somebody big like this, six seven, long arm, long reach, that's that's pretty good. Uh, but kind of just getting back on track, we acquired him from the Eagles. Again, he was a six round pick. He only started 15 games during the times with the Eagle, uh, the Eagles, and he played every position except for center. So he was he was kind of being used all around the field, which is which is good. At least he has a little bit of experience throughout. Um. For us this year, though, according to SportsIllustrated.com, it's kind of a breakdown of all his positions he played at right tackle, 266 snaps, right guard, 69 snaps, and left tackle, 94 snaps. And then at the tight end, whenever we ran the heavy package, he played nine snaps. So again, similar to the Eagles, we kind of had him all over. Majority of his time was at right tackle, but we definitely had him all over the field. So I think that he's definitely versatile for us. He can he can do his job, uh, but the question is, is he ready to hold down the fort at something like left tackle, our most important position on the field? So looking again at some more numbers for us, according to PFF, he earned a career high 76.5 grade, uh, including a mark of 75.2 in pass protection, a 74.8 in the run game, and he was ranked 24th among all NFL tackles. Not bad. Uh, and out of the 241 pass blocking snaps, he allowed just eight pressures to the quarterback. Six of those were hurries. Two of those were hits. So not bad either. We definitely can see he kind of held his ground for what it was worth uh, at, at the tackle spot. So I do like to see that. But I think the only thing that scares me is, again, going back to the penalties and going back to the fact that we just used him all over the field. I, I think that he came in and did what he needed to during his time, but I would have loved to see him just consistently stay at either tackle or guard and kind of not just being sprinkled across because it's hard to go from one position to the other. There's been plenty of times where you, you know, coaching or even playing where I have to ask a player to, hey, I know you've been playing right tackle, but we got to get you to move to the left side now. It's hard. It's a completely different thing. You have to change your stance right. up. You have to change the way you're going to approach. You have to think about who's standing next to you to know how they're going to block them. It, it's it's not an easy task to just go back and forth. So I, that's why I said I don't really fault him too much for his penalties because I'm sure it came throughout individual games where he was asked to do a little more than maybe what he could do. But with that being said, we got another big dog who just got drafted. We talked about earlier, Nar Raymond. And I mean... Again, another freak of nature. This guy didn't start playing football until he was 14. He played tight end for the first two years at 240 pounds, and now he's 200, excuse me, 303 pounds. 
and he played left tackle for the last two seasons. So what I like, uh, he played at Central Michigan. What I like about that is, like I said, he played tackle for the last two seasons. He picked, he packed on mm-hmm. 63 pounds. So he still is probably pretty nimble at that tight end. I mean, you don't just, nobody can, not everyone can just go out and play tight end. So he's still nimble, I'm sure. He can still move around the field. And that means he has the smarts, the ability to be able to get out there on the field and do what he needs to do. So playing left tackle for the last two seasons, I think is promising for him to be at that left tackle spot. The only thing I think that we really need to worry about for him, besides some of his strength and weaknesses we'll get into in just a minute, goes back to his weight. He's right on target at the 6'6 mark. I mean, that's a huge guy. Again, he's going to have long reach. But 303 pounds, when we look at 303 versus Pryor's 332, that's a a big difference, a 29-pound difference there. Whether that be muscle, fat, or mixture of both, that's a lot. So we don't really want our tackles to be too small. As we said, we're handling the backside of the ball, so we want to make sure that we have a big, beefy guy because your best defensive end is going to be right there on that left tackle. And we know defensive... How how beefy... So how beefy do we want them to be? Because I, mm-hmm. Matt Pryor came into college at almost 400 pounds. And so they dropped him down a lot. That's, and I like yeah. that. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. And we don't, we don't want a Vince Wilfolk out there. You know what I mean? We don't want somebody <laughs> who's that big. <laughs> of course, he played defensive line, but we all know how big his gut was. <laughs> but what we really want, though, you want somebody between that 305 to three. I don't feel comfortable saying 305 to 330. Kit Kip prior stand to lose maybe five or six more pounds for sure. Yeah, I think so. But I would love to see, love to see Raymond pack on another just five or six pounds of muscle. And I think that he will be grade A. Now, yeah, I I agree. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep no, going. no, I was just going to say now, I, I can't wait to see him practicing. I can't wait to see, you know, during, during the preseason, we can see him at his weight he is now, just see how he moves because he may be, he may be his best at that, at that size. He may not need to get any bigger. I would just personally like to see him pack on a, little, a few more pounds. We'll be back after a quick break. Do you love running? Do you dream of running on a forested trail or a crowded road race? Martha Runs the World podcast is the place for you. We are about running for runners. We bring you running wisdom and inspiring stories every week. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. So I agree with you on the most part. I think I don't know what the ideal weight for a tackle should be, but I know tackles have to be quicker Mm -hmm. in my head than a guard because they're playing that outside. They're getting these quick pass rushers coming in. I, I think they have to be, you know, quick on their blocks, quick to get over these pass, uh, pass rushers. I, I just think Matt Pryor might lack that quickness at that weight. Um, he's been viewed as lazy before, too. Just not always there. Mm-hmm. And it, there is a reason he got drafted in the sixth round. But, you know, 
that that's just my two cents. No, and I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with that. Like you said, I mean, I don't, I definitely don't want somebody too big out there. I think that you can definitely be comparable at that 310, 315 mark and still be very, very, very good. But I think what you're, what you're kind of talking about is what we're going to here in just a second with some of the strengths and weaknesses of uh, Raymond uh, kind of coming out off of NFL.com leading into him being drafted. But I just kind of want to touch on what you were saying about the speed. I agree. We definitely want fast tackles. You want somebody who can make sure they can get to the defensive end uh, because they're quick. You know, these defensive end these days are 250, 260, 270. Those Vaughn Millers and everything, they they can stand them up at linebacker, basically. They're, they're about the same size as the backer. So I agree. But I will say that – I. I the reason why the guards position is typically pretty small or I should say significantly smaller than a tackle is because it's a little harder to get to the second level. It's harder for those guys. They have to be a little mm. bit quicker to be able to get to the linebackers because that's what they're working on. They're trying to get to those backers to the, to the second level. So that's why I we like to see those that. guys a little smaller. Yeah. So they can kind of brush off and get up to the next level. Well, Quentin um, Nelson's like three thirty. Yeah, he's a big dude, man. And, he, okay. and you know what's crazy? He's that big, but he moves. I mean, he I swear to you, he moves like he's, you know, 300, 290. He, he moves and he can keep his feet underneath mm. him. And he stays square. And that's what makes him look so, so nimble when he's out there because he's not just out there just kind of being stiff. He's very, if you watch any of his, his movement, he's very particular with the meticulous, with the way his, his feet are shifting, the way his hands are going, the way his pads are moving. He's always on a swivel. Um, which are some of the things that Raymond has on his tool belt and some things he used to work on. So kind of going right into that, you know, some of his strengths, according to NFL.com, one of the first ones they put was his former tight end with enticing movement talent. Again, anybody who's a tight end, as long as you know, most tight ends, they don't like blocking. They want to come in as a, as a catching tight end. So they have to have good footwork. They have to be able to shake and bake and kind of get to the, to the flats or, excuse me, uh, get to the seams. So I think that he- that'll help us out. Um, he can fly up to challenge in second level cutoffs. And again, that goes back to that size with him being 300 pounds. He can still kind of technically play that guard position going back to taking Danny Penner's spot. He can go up to the second level and, and get to those linebackers and cut them off where they can get down to JT. And then taking a look here at, keeping his feet connected with his pads when we think of that basically what that means is kind of what i was just explaining with quentin nelson your feet are staying at the same the same direction as your pads so so often you'll see again a matt Pryor who can get lazy you'll see the reason why these guys are getting beat is because their feet are still facing downfield but their shoulders are facing towards the sideline because they're already getting beat off the ball so you're like oh shoot so they instead of them stepping back to drop back into their pass block their feet are stagnant and their shoulders mm. move and then you've lost all momentum. So apparently Raymond is really good at keeping his feet kind of in line with his pads. So that's, that's going to be super important. Um, his past slides are well-balanced and consistent. Again, going back to what I was just saying, he's able to get back quickly. You want to take a big pass step backwards. So your weight isn't, sitting over your knees when you're pass blocking you kind of want to make sure your back is straight kind of like when you're doing a squat think of when you're doing a squat your back you want to make it parallel or you know all in line with your butt so that way the weight isn't going to fall forward or it's not going to fall backwards if you are kind of taking a step back a kick step back and you're bending over forward all you think a defense line has to do is push your head down or they can push your shoulders you're going to fall over so one more perk form 
Um, and then he sinks his hands and mirrors the rusher through the whistle. That's one thing that I think is super important when you think about sinking your hands. A lot of t- that means he's not going to get a lot of penalties because his hands are sitting at that breastplate. We, you know, we, we, we call it the breastplate, but it's the part of your shoulder pads where you connect the, the straps to. It's right, you know, just kind of like you're driving a steering wheel. That's what we always taught our kids. Drive the steering wheel. You grab the steering wheel and you drive it. Hold it at, you hold it at nine and three. Because if your hands are right and tight at the breastplate, then you're never going to be holding. Your hands aren't outside on their shoulder pads. So he can sink his hands into that breastplate and mirror the rusher. When you're mirroring the rusher, simply just means you're taking them where they want to go. A lot of time, linemen will overcompensate. They'll try to overcorrect and beat the beat the defensive lineman. And when you do that, that's when you lose the battle because they can see where the ball is going. You know where it's supposed to be going. You know it's supposed to be going through B-gap, but a linebacker can actually see that it's going to end up going through A-gap or the defense lineman can see it's going through A-gap. So they're going to start going there. If they want to go there, he can take them there. He's going to keep pushing them. And somebody like J2, who's patient, is going to notice that, and he's just going to pop out to the B-gap or C-gap and take it to the crib. So... Those are some pros that I read about him on NFL.com. But, of course, with all good, you have to talk about the bad. Is there anything oh, yeah. you wanted to touch on with those pros before we go down that that negative list? Nah, you you smashed it. I'm going to let <laughs> you right. take the wheel. All right. Long going. <laughs> and so kind of going into the weaknesses, we have to talk about it. So his instincts will, develop, will take time to develop. Like anybody else, you know, it, he started playing when he was 14. He played at a smaller school at Central Michigan. He's not a Ryan Kelly who played at played Alabama or a, a Big Q who played at Notre Dame. So he's going to have to take more time to develop against these much, much bigger linemen that he, than he's ever seen. Uh, he's going to have to take time to learn the playbook, have to take time to learn the coaches and all that good stuff. So it's not going to be an easy transition, especially if they put him at that guard spot. He has to learn all of that. Now, one negative going back to the past sets, they said that they're mechanical and predictable. So if they're mechanical and predictable, although he does have a good kick step slide back, that means maybe he's turning his shoulders before he gets down in that two point stance. So the defense is knowing that he's going to be taking a wide kick step and he's going to already be facing kind of where he wants where he wants to go. You don't want to be too predictable. Again, I think that. Until he learns or until he can see his athleticism against some of these 280 pound Von Millers out there. He's going to be a little predictable. And honestly, in my personal opinion, even if you're predictable, you got to be able to stop it. People can predict that Jonathan Taylor is going to get the ball every play, but do they stop him? No. So you can be predictable as long as you can, as long as you can come out there and, right. and win the battle. Um, another weakness I read said he had a slight lean in the contact when throwing his hands. So basically when we think of throwing his hands, Kind of what what I've always taught is to you're stepping off the ball. Your first step, you want to cock your hands back and pull your pistols. Second step, you want to shoot them. So think of like quick draw McGraw. You know, you got your hand at your hip for your first step. Your second step, you're pulling out your pistol and you're shooting them, kind of grabbing that breastplate. So he says he have a slight leaning in contact when throwing his hands. So that tells me that he's leaning his shoulders in. Going back to the squat, what I was telling you before, if your shoulders are too far over your knees and your head's too far over your knees, where's that weight going? right in front of you. It's going straight down. You're going to break your neck. So you're going to give away okay. your position to the defense. They're going to yeah. be able to just push you to the side or swim move you because that means your head probably isn't up. So again, that's small, something that a great coach will be able to fix. Um, another weakness doesn't fit up with run blocks with much authority. Uh, 
I think that's more of a passive thing because he's trying not to let maybe a defensive lineman or a linebacker beat him because he may be afraid of a hold. So again, that's where it comes into letting them go where they want to go. Don't overcompensate. Fit up on them. If they want to pull to the left, take it to the left. They're going to pull to the right. Take it to the right. All minor things that can be fixed. Now, this is the only one that scares me a little bit is the narrow drive base um, because it limits your push power. So, again, going back to Alithin, we think of squatting. If you have your feet too narrow, you have to dip down a whole lot lower, which means there's a lot more pressure on your quads, your uh, glutes, your hams, and your knees because you don't you don't have a you don't have the ability to keep your center of gravity wide. It's narrow. So if you have a narrow base when you're driving, what's going to happen? You're not going to go anywhere because you're not getting any force. You're not getting that ground force reaction. So you think about it when you're when you're trying to drive anything, or I should say not drive anything, but when you're pushing something, I mean, we've all had to push a heavy, a heavy, a pull, push a heavy wheelbarrow or something. We don't walk with our feet right beside each other. You kind of walk with them a little bit wider, maybe not quite shoulder width, but somewhere in that shoulder width range because you're going to be able to produce more power. So again, that one scares me the most. And that's why I wanted to end on that one, because I know that that's something that can be hard to correct, especially if it's something you've been doing for forever. And a lot of times with really good players that come from really small schools, if they are just like the top dog on campus, then sometimes their mechanics aren't so much worked on because they are, they're good enough to kind of dominate their competition. So I think that that's going to be a challenge for him to break, but I definitely know it can be broken. So I like to feel pretty confident in saying that I give them two, three years. And honestly, I feel like most of these weaknesses would be off the table. I don't even think they'll bug him that much. Um, but kind of wrapping that all up in a bow, overall great NFL.com gave him a 6.39 and said he will eventually be a starter. Eventually. Don't trust that shit. Be a starter. That's why I said eventually. Don't trust I don't believe him. it. I don't believe it either. Yeah. He's I, coming I out. I just know that. They they've been wrong on a lot mm-hmm. of it. Like Devontae Adams got like a six point four eventually be a good starter within two years. Oh, I think he I think he hit that on the on the spot. Excelled. Perennial talent. Um like they they've Jair Alexander, they they made will be a good starter. Just just stuff like that. I, I guess yeah. they can't predict the future, but it is nice to see that. As as far as being a prospect, he'll be a plus starter. That's good for to sure. See, actually, for sure. So let me stop. Uh, <laughs> let me stop talking about that. Well, for those weaknesses, do you think those things can be coached and developed? Are those weaknesses that that a good coaching staff can turn into non weaknesses, strengths, anything? Yeah, I definitely do, Uh, mainly because these are all things where you're playing against the kind of competition he's going to be playing against every day in practice, even though it's going to be more more than likely the second string. Those still going to be the Grover Stewarts out there who are going to be out there that you're going against. So it'll take time to develop. And like I said, I definitely think all of it can be fixed. I, I, I do. I do for certain believe that the drive base will be his hardest one. Because that's to me, that's just more of a more of a mental thing. It's going to be hard to correct because it's hard to remember to 
make sure your feet are wide when you're trying to get up to the, you know, when you're trying to get to the next level, because you don't run, you don't run with your feet wide, you know, no one runs like that. You run with your feet side by, you know, narrow side by side, because that's when you're the quickest, but it's not when you're the strongest. So things like that, I think that could definitely be a weakness, especially when we look at his pros uh, that says he has the ability to get up to that second level. So I, I like to think that, you know, learning with a good coach and learning with a good guard like Quentin Nelson, I think that he'll have the ability to pick up on a lot of these. I know that all of them won't be fixed, but I really believe that at least 85% of this list could be gone within three years. It will be a slow process, but I give them three years and they could be okay. all gone. That's good to hear. So I just want to give some kudos to you because you was potting right there. Ooh, you broke it, it down. <laughs> Explain it to me like I'm five. I think Jamal <laughs> cleared that. But let's also give some kudos to Chris Strauser, our offensive line coach. Mm -hmm. I think he's done well with this unit over his tenure with the Colts, which goes back to 2019. Very experienced. I think we're talking over 30 years. So shout out to him. I want For this sure. unit to succeed. And I know you do too. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to us being a top five offensive line. Hopefully. I, I agree. I'm right there with you. Well, that's going to wrap it up, folks. I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Colts cast today. We will release episodes every Monday and Friday morning. Go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, any platform you use to listen to podcasts. We will be back on Monday to give you some more Indianapolis Colts content. Have a good weekend, everyone. Keep it easy.